to Game of Thrones. Oh, no. Good to go with that one, huh? <laughs> Your weekly recap podcast for HBO's Papa Vodka of a TV show, a Game of Thrones. Uh, my name is Doug. With me, as always, is Brian. Did you ever try Pop-Off? Uh, no, but I have had uh, Albertson's Vodka, so I think that's probably <laughs> close enough. Wow, that sounds worse somehow. <laughs> Albertson's brand? Yeah. You got to go where the uh, prices are right when you're in college. <laughs> I guess so. All right. Uh, so something that wasn't cheap uh, was this episode. Uh, we are talking about episode four of season seven, The Spoils of War. And uh, right off the bat, I got to say, you know, obviously I have quibbles because that's, you know, the theme of the podcast. But uh, I got to say, enjoy the shit out of this. Um I don't normally have a reaction watching any TV or the birth of my child, but I stood up um, at the end of this episode and said, fuck yes. Uh, <laughs> I literally stood up. I was like, yes, yes, burn them all. I felt like the Mad King himself. It was great. Uh, I, I agree with you. And we heard of they're gonna. this is going to be a crazy season and it's going to just be nuts all the time. And that's kind of what I think we were sold. And I think this is the first episode where they do actually hit that level of Holy shit, look at this. Yeah, they build it as Battle of the Bastards every episode, and for, so far it has not lived up to that. And you and a no. lot of people did love the uh, Euron Greyjoy sea battle, and I was severely underwhelmed by it. Um, just the scope of it, you know, it happened on, you know, one boat, uh, a yeah. lot of darkness, a lot of, you know, uh, it just wasn't, it didn't impress me much. That don't impress me. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Jeez. Who? Yeah, I don't even know who sings that. So I guess we'll just move on. Is that that's Shania Twain? I believe. Oh, did you hear they were going to make a Shania Twain uh, theme park? Or they actually did in Canada. Really? Yeah. No lie. Like, uh, Canada, Canada's Dollywood. Yeah. Pr- basically, uh, only yeah. it wasn't as big. If you catch my meaning. No, please. <laughs> no, actually, please move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, uh, let's jump into this episode. But before we do, I guess. I, I think we should talk about leaks, um, just to have a quick discussion about our feelings about them, because I guess it's uh, front uh, and foremost in a lot of people's minds. Um, at least they're talking about it on other podcasts. I listen to other podcasts after uh, we record this one to just, like I said, uh, make sure we're not too uh, off base. And it's a big uh, talking point, so I feel like we should just put it to bed. I don't feel that strongly about uh, leaks. Like, I'm not the kind of person, you know, who will say, oh, I'll, I'll never read a leak. Uh, but then again, I don't actively pursue them. Uh, I kind of, I, I don't know, at least with the show, which I, I don't really care about too much. I mean, I care about the show, but you know what I mean. I, I know it's like fan fiction anyway, so I'm not going to be, oh, please don't spoil this Um what 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 is turning out to be like just a fun you know kind of mindless romp uh which has been enjoyable which is a tv show um which i'm liking uh but i i'm not going to go actively seek out leaks i don't know about you what are your feelings i read the uh, big ones where it was the more the bullet points from uh, roughly a year ago that kind of outlined some of the big things that were supposed to happen this season and i was kind of disappointed that i did because it uh, kind of ruined some of the fun but uh, I've forgotten a lot of them, thankfully. Uh, my uh, long-term memory is not very good uh, unless it's important. So those kind of went away, and I'm glad that I did. And I do not plan to pursue any other spoilers, uh, but I'm not 
I'll still go to the red page or you know do other things to look. I'm not I'm not going out of my way to avoid them, but I'm definitely not going to read them if I if I realize what they are. Try to stay here clear of them. Yeah, and I've also tried to not interject them into the show because I don't want to ruin it for anyone else. Yeah, I feel like I also I didn't read the whole bullet points. I just heard like a one paragraph run through of like an article that was talking about the leaks, the leak script a year ago, whenever it was. And a lot of the points I've forgotten because they were very predictable. Like it seemed like mm-hmm. if I was going to, that was one of the criticisms of the article of the leak is just like, this is some very predictable stuff. Like if you just, you know, the reason why this might be fake is because it sounds like somebody who just watches the show was like, oh, where does this person go next? Where does that person go next? What happens there? Um and you know, fortunately, unfortunately, that seems to be the way it's kind of playing out uh, now. There are there are some things I was surprised by, like uh, the Casterly Rock uh, High Garden thing last week. I didn't see coming. I didn't think it was that mm-hmm. terribly well done, but I, it was a surprise to me. Um, but you know, uh, leaks. I guess smoke them if you got them. I don't really care. But we won't yeah. talk about them on this uh, episode. That is a Doug promise. <laughs> That's a Doug guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a diggity dug guarantee. <laughs> Let's jump right in. So uh, the episode opens with the combined Lannister and Charlie forces heading back to King's Landing after sacking High Garden. Uh, Jamie stops a wagon uh, full of gold and gives Bronn a big bag of it, I guess, for services rendered. Uh, you know, Bronn isn't content with this because Jamie promised him a whole uh, castle. Uh, Bronn notices that Jamie is in a pissy mood uh, and he's wondering why after he just kicked a whole bunch of ass. And he guesses that the Queen of Thorns said something to him, and Jamie doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, Bronn is content with uh, just the gold, or isn't content with just the gold as I imagined, and keeps pushing this whole, you promised me all this sorts of stuff. And Jamie says, you can have any castle you want after the war. Very similar to what Cersei is doing with uh, Euron, just putting it off till later. Um, and then Randall and uh, Cockoff, or Dickon, uh, Charlie show up and uh, inform them that they are collecting. Boo, Boo that joke. Boo. Uh, you don't like cock off? No. Set a dick on? Okay. No, but I I did not like it and I felt the need to boo it. Okay, so that's fine. I apologize for interrupting. I'll only go. I'll only go back to that boo. at least one more time. Um, okay. So they show up, these two uh, jerk-offs, and they say that they're uh, collecting food and supplies from the surrounding lands. You know, I guess gathering up the harvest for the coming winter. Uh, and Jamie tells Bron he should go help them, and Bron doesn't want to do it. And he's like, "What do I know about uh, collecting? You know, supplies?" And he's like, "You know how to motivate reluctant farmers. It's basically, be a brute." And then uh, Bron reluctantly goes to his task, I guess. Hey, so are we actually seeing a Lannister pay his debts in the scene? For yeah, the first I guess time? so. <laughs> yeah. Um, poor Bron, he just wants to retire and, and get what he's earned. But uh, the running theme in the show is, of course, that the Lannisters don't actually pay their debts. So, uh, but I think also Bron probably sees this as an opportunity to continue to climb up the uh, social wealth ladder. Um, but man, he should have gotten out of the game. I think. No, but I mean, he's. I mean, he's. He keeps swinging for the fences, like even further, because if if for some reason in his mind, if the Lannisters do win. And he's like one of their number two men. Yeah, why would he not get any castle he yeah. wanted? I mean, uh, all the there's so many houses that are in open rebellion. I mean, uh, you would think that he could have Dorne or High Garden or or wherever, assuming that they can win the war and then hold the peace afterwards. Which I think Bronn 
he even uh, mentions that. He's like, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a peaceful reign after all this war is over. Yeah, because nobody will be alive at that yeah. point. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is uh, I guess we should talk about the coming attractions more because uh, a lot of people were pointing out that, you know, it oddly looked like an old Western style, like, scenery in the previous for this episode. Uh, and then the the wagon and the wagon train full of, like, gold was screaming, um, you know, Old West in a, a like a train heist or a wagon. Uh, straight out of Sergio Leone. Yeah. Leone. Leone. And that seemed to be... Remember how you pronounce it. Yeah, that's, no, that's right. No, it's not. Um, but, yeah, it seemed uh, we should have seen it coming, but uh, I feel like they were laying it on pretty thick here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is fine. I guess, you know, they yeah. have to try new things and, you know, yeah, it's like we're in a Star Wars movie, they just go to like the cold planet and the hot planet and the desert planet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they to, yeah. yeah. So, you know. All right. So uh, where do we go next? So next, the uh, gentleman from the Iron Bank is meeting with Cersei. I think, is it Tycho Nestoris? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so they're apparently. Apparently, the Iron Blank is perfectly fine with receiving blood money to pay off debts. Uh, Cersei and Tycho exchanged pleasantries. The bank was fond of the interest that the Lannisters were paying, uh, and uh, are a little bit sad that it's going away. Tycho proposes a new venture while they stroll out to the map, and he sees where Cersei's been wasting his money on, <laughs> on maps instead of repaying him. It's like if you loan money to a friend, and then they go out and buy, go out to the bar or something. Uh, Cersei then tells the uh, Tycho that she's trying to take over the world, and she may be hiring the Golden Company. Uh, the baker indicates that once he is paid, he would be perfectly happy to turn around and reloan the money that he was just paid with back to Cersei. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, <laughs> like that whole yeah. concept. Like, you took forever, and I had to make this whole trip, and it's been years. You've been putting us off, and we're finally getting the money back. Uh, let's do this again. Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, it does if they've conquered the world and they have, all, or at least Westeros, and they have all of the access to all of the wealth of Westeros. I think it would make sense. I guess it would make uh, sense because, like, they're the only game in town, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where else would they invest right. their money? The one thing that this scene raised to me was um, we didn't. We, they kind of have thrown out the term "the Golden Army" a few times, yep. and it's. I think it's fairly prevalent in the books and the show. They've mentioned it just in a few episodes here and there, but. It's a pretty big deal. I think there's something like 10,000 soldiers in the army. It's basically a private army that's instantly available to you, and they're all uh, – they should be battle-tested. I mean this is these are like the best of the best mercenaries and specialized. Some of them are archers and so on and so forth. So if Cersei did obtain the Golden Army uh, – or is it Golden Army the or Golden, golden company? company? but yes. Golden Company. I mean that would be a pretty big deal because now she's got incredible soldiers and 10,000 of them. I mean that they could – if it was uh, anywhere close, that that would swing the the battle big time. So I guess I'll just do like a like a summary of what the Golden Company are, at least in the books, and then we'll guess how they'll be used. But the Golden Company was built from a banished Targaryen, uh, who I guess was a Blackfire. Basically, the the Targaryens had a civil war hundred or so years before all this shit, um, and some bastard Targaryens were made legitimate, and they all went to war to fight for the throne. Some of them lost, and some went into hiding. Anyway, one of them uh, ended up in, you know, Essos and formed a mercenary company and uh, they gilded his skull and uh, they're going to take it back to Westeros because they're just a mercenary uh, crew for now. 
their whole legacy is getting back to Westeros. Um, And they're doing it in the book uh, by uh, following a guy uh, who's masquerading as Aegon, uh, Danny's baby brother that supposedly uh, Clegane killed. Um, That was one of the reasons why Oberyn wanted uh, revenge for killing Elia. You know, he killed her children. That was one of the children. But supposedly he didn't die. It's pretty uh, dubious. We all think this guy is some kind of stand-in. He's not a real Targaryen, but nobody can tell. So, And he was introduced way too late in the books. I think book five. So I don't know since that is... I only mention all that because that whole Targaryen, uh, you know, branch being part entertained, uh, being tangled up with the Golden Company... Uh, in the books, I don't know what role the Golden Company would play here besides just another mercenary force, like the windblown that that Dario's in charge of. Well, I, I think it would be because they needed to keep the show going, or they need to suddenly swing power. Like it seems like it's been a pendulum these first four episodes, where hey, they're in charge, they're the strongest force. Now they're the strongest force, so that would be a way to swing the pendulum once more. I don't know if it will happen. Uh, we'll see. All right, so uh, let me go to uh, Winterfell and look. And actually, and I'm oh. sorry to interrupt, but just real quick, I mean, that would make now we think that Danny has the upper hand. Well, now that Cersei has the gold and uh, has paid off the Iron Bank, they could theoretically loan the money right back to her. She gets the golden company, and suddenly now it doesn't look like uh, like Danny will just build a wreck. But then again, there's only three episodes left in the season, so uh, that seems like a lot to fit in. Yeah, that's going to be a running theme when I do criticize this this episode. I'm just going to keep telling you there's only nine episodes left. When something dumb is happening and it's like going on for five minutes, I'm going to say, hey guys, just nine episodes left and this is what they're doing. Um, it's one of the reasons I don't think this is a perfect episode, uh, no matter how much I enjoyed the final uh the final uh, action sequence. Another thing about the bank, since we're still talking about it, is I still think there's, uh, I mean, I still think there's something shady going on with the bank, the Provosi banker guy. Uh, I hope he's just not, you know, exactly what he appears. Um, but I've thought that several times watching the show and have been let down, so I don't get my hopes up. It seems awful late in the day for that kind of entry, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what role he plays, especially because, uh, spoiler alert, as you mentioned, they get the gold. Uh, Danny does wreck supplies and food, I guess, but she doesn't get any of the gold. So uh, I, I just don't know where the whole Iron Bank thing is going. Besides, like you said, getting the Golden Company, which is not really that exciting. I don't know. Sure, sure. Just another, like you said, a power swing. All right, so uh, if we go back to uh, or check in with Winterfell for the first time, and Littlefinger is in the room pulling out the Dragonbone dagger that was meant to kill Bran after he fell, and we thought, hey, Littlefinger was going to try to do something stupid here and get his ass killed. But no, he's just trying to curry favor with uh, Bran. Uh, You know, he's going off talking, you know, at his ass, mentioning Bran's mother and how much he loved her and how he couldn't protect her, but he wants to protect her children. And Bran is just staring off like a zombie or a robot. And then uh, Littlefinger changes his tactics, starts to appeal to Bran's pride, telling me he must have been through a lot and, you know, all this, all these compliments. Uh, but nothing seems to be getting through to uh, Bran. And at one point in Littlefinger's rambling, he says the word chaos, and Bran turns to him and says, chaos is a ladder. Ooh. Uh, and then at this point, 
Um, Mira comes in and wants to say goodbye. Littlefinger uses this as an opportunity to GTFO. Uh, and I guess the parting isn't as as emotional as Mira wanted it to be, to be because Bran, like I said, is a, a robot weirdo. Uh, Bran says, you know, when she gives him shit, he says he's not really Bran anymore. He says he can remember kind of what it was like to be Bran, but he has so many other memories. He's hard to keep what's straight uh, in his mind. Um, just a real creep thing to say. Um, she accuses of, of dying in the cave of the Three-Eyed Raven, and then she storms out. Yeah, I have a lot to say here. So what? now what's the deal? Is Littlefinger just trying to get in with Bran? I mean, what is his plan at this point? Yeah, it's just I, so stupid. So what I took just from this, it, because he said... Pal- uh, sorry, go ahead. Good. Uh, this, this he was such a powerful player in this game, yeah. and it seems like he's just fading out with a whimper. I don't know how, how this turns around unless he has some grand plan left, but we've seen absolutely no evidence of it other than him just trying to suck up to the Starks randomly. Yeah, we said this two episodes. It seems to not being improve to not improve at all. Like we yeah. have no idea what he's trying to do. But I thought it was kind of made clear when he called uh, Bran Lord Stark, and Bran once again says, "I'm not Lord Stark." Yeah. Um, so I think uh, Littlefinger presumed he was going to be Lord Stark because, let's face it, he, you know, if you look at the rule book, you know, check your rule book, um, he is the oldest living male uh, heir of Ned Stark. So, you right. know, John's a bastard. Uh, Trueborn's come before the bastards. So I think that was whole, his whole plan here, but he really doesn't have a backup plan. He's really not... He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's like, I guess if they're trying to make a parallel to how Ned was, when he went south to King's Landing, he was out of his depth. He was in a world where he had no, he was just floundering. He didn't know how to play the game. I guess maybe they're trying to illustrate Littlefinger doesn't know how to play the game with these Northerners, but that's not very satisfying, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, the line, uh, the the ladder of chaos or whatever um I, I think it came through to the watcher but i don't know i wish i almost wish they would have hit that harder that convey uh him conveying to little figure that he knows all and sees all yeah i wish uh, they would have stared a little down. too subtle yeah i wish yeah. he would have just stared him down like and then just whispered i know what you did or just to give him like just to have him show a little bit of emotion like a yeah. slight anger in his furrowed brow like brand showing some anger at him i right. think that would have been good yeah. So are we seeing the uh, first wheelchair ever in the history of Westeros? <laughs> What's that contraption? Oh, the new maester it, whipped it up for me. Turns what? out you can put a chair on wheels and it moves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it seemed a little ridiculous, but whatever. I, yeah. I'm, I, it seemed, it's one line and now, uh, you know, I guess they don't have a big uh, mentally challenged man to carry him around. So uh, I guess true. this is better. Yeah, and Mira's taking off too, so she can't drag him on a sledge cart. Yeah, that I, that's that, that whole thing stunk. I still uh, do not like disaffected Bran, although I understand the explanations of it. It's still <sighs> just kind of a bummer, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't like the explanation for it because, you know, I guess at the it was the last episode of last season, he with inside of the wall decided to do this huge download, which I guess that's what they're saying. Right. Like, he put his hand on a weirwood tree right when Uncle Benjamin dropped him off inside of the wall, mind you. And he put his hand on the tree and his eyes went in the back of his head. And next thing we know, now he's all crazy. Um, yeah, after he, who knows how long he slept, uh, spent in the, uh, plugged into the tree modem. 
up north, you know? Like, it would be, uh, I just, it, it doesn't, I don't, uh, it's, this is the problem is, uh, these magical rules are not well defined. And I think I've right. had that criticism the entire time. Same thing with Arya. Arya mm-hmm. somehow is a badass. Well, you know, she's always been a badass, but like, you know, it's just, the rules aren't laid out. So I don't, they could just make right. up anything they want and I'll be like, okay, I guess that's fine. That's, yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but I guess it's okay. I am glad that Mira called out uh, his nonsense. I did. I did appreciate that. But in the, in general, this scene just didn't really hit for me. Um, I thought it could have been better, or at least the Mira stuff. I mean, it was. I liked her calling him out, but it was kind of pointless. I didn't really care about it. We don't know Brand's full potential. I think. Yeah. So, and the other thing that the scene raised to me is uh, disappointing. We have not seen the Cranog men, and I don't. I don't know if we're going to see the Cranog men. I, I don't know. Since Mira's gonna leave and still be alive, it, I I think that I have this feeling, and it sounds tropey that all these people are gonna come back to die at the last you know season at some point. Like gotcha. Sandra is gonna come back. I think um, the Direwolf Nymeria is gonna come back to die. Uh, like everybody's just gonna show up. It's gonna be like the replacements. Oh, uh, is that what that was? Movie was called the one with like uh. Oh, the Expendables is what I'm thinking. Of. The Replacements was a football movie starring Keanu Reeves. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> Keanu Reeves, you know your favorite NFL player. Uh, I never saw that. Looked bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, Necessary Roughness is is much better. Oh yeah, Scott Bakula. Yeah, get him behind center. Watch out, bud. And uh, Kathy Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I preferred her in Mom and Dad Save the World. Uh, the, was she the in Jeffrey that? Jones? Yeah, the Jeffrey Jones and John Lovitz vehicle. That movie was terrible. <laughs> Worst movies that's ever existed. I saw it with my parents, and I'm still upset with them about it. Yeah, so, uh, anyways. All right, so next, uh, Aria arrives at Winterfell, uh, just like Odysseus as one of those douchebags. <laughs> what a fucking shoot. asshole. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think it was Jesus who returned yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. So, Aria arrives at Winterfell. We have a, a fun little scene where the guards will not let her in. Call back to the first season when she slipped out of the uh, out of Winterfell and was a dirty girl after chasing the cats and then being no, scared. that was uh, King's Landing, but yes, we get you. King's Landing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Arya tries to talk her way in, is initially unsuccessful, but raises the point that what happens if they did actually turn away Sansa's sister? Arya is told to wait and surveys her old home nostalgically. The two Stooges argue over who will watch her, and then she disappears while they argue. The two Stooges then report to Sansa that someone uh, arrived claiming that they're Arya, and Sansa is able to realize that it was her sister. Sansa also knows where she will find Arya in the crypts. Sansa goes down to see Arya, and we they uh, it's very good to see each other. There's a little bit of awkwardness, but eventually they warm up. They discuss a few things we already know, the death of Joffrey, uh, that, that, John's, that Sansa's in charge because John left town. Uh, Arya has a list of people to kill, even though Sansa does not seem to believe that there's a list of people to kill. It's a little bit awkward, but uh, they kind of settled in the family patterns. If you know, they they haven't seen each other since episode one, or season one, episode six. So, right. a lot of development. They then discuss uh, Ned's jacked up statue. Apparently, uh, it's very bad compared to Ned. I would agree with them. Yep. Sansa then drops that uh, Bran is home in a very foreboding voice because Bran sucks. So I gotta say. Um a lot of these reunions have not lived up to the hype, but I kind of felt some emotion here. Uh, and I think it's primarily due to the acting. Um, 
you know, you had two hugs. I think it could have been worse because they pulled back on Arya being a creep. You know how, like, she was being a robot when she was talking to Hot Pie? And I felt like yes. you'd have two robots talking to each other when Bran and Arya met. <laughs> but they seem to have pulled back, and Arya's got some more of her... She's still, like, fucked up, mind you, but at least she has some more hum- her humanity back, and I like that. It allowed for this scene, which... It had emotional weight, and they're both talking, hey, uh, how was your time away? It fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and uh, these actors in real life are like best friends, which is strange because they probably hardly ever work together <laughs> because they're never in the same scenes, like for seven years. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. But yeah. you can tell the chemistry between them, I think, comes through, and both of these actors did a great job. I have no problems with this scene now the scene previous with the Tweedledee and Tweedledum I found tiresome Um, yeah that was stupid yeah that just seemed like a callback solely for fan service purposes and it's another thing where it's supposed to be comedic relief where it's not really funny no 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 I did like this scene a lot as well I I thought that this one hit pretty hard I I think that uh, even though the two girls squabble in the first season this is probably the closest of the siblings, other than maybe Brandon and Rickon. Uh, obviously, that reunion cannot happen. But uh, I, yeah, this one this one hit pretty good for me as well. I mean, I think um, John so I and it. John and Arya uh, could be a, a very touching one because they were close. They were both yeah. like kind of like neglected because you know Arya was tomboy and John's a bastard, so they kind of mm-hmm. felt like outsiders. So I think that could be an emotional uh, reunion if it happens. Do do do. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, yeah, I I did think that they I thought they nailed the tone as well because these people are a lot different and so there is this uh, certain amount of wariness. Yeah. Um. But then it also after a moment or two the guard drops and you know you kind of uh, get past that and they're sisters again. So uh, I thought that was good. Yeah, it's a good scene. Great scene. I I it was one of the highlights uh, of the non battle scene. So uh, very mm-hmm. good. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up that uh, I thought was interesting that I read online today is um, Arya discusses her list, and there are only three people for the purposes of the show left that are left on the list. So it's got to be Gregor if they're still yep. saying he's Gregor and not dead and resurrected Robert Strong. Mm-hmm. Cersei. Yep. And oh, you're going to kick yourself. The, the last one is pretty obvious, but it's we not Jamie, right? It's been quite a while. No, the Jamie was not there when the family was betrayed. No. Uh, hold on. I don't I know. Guess, I guess the Hound was on the list, but she likely believes that he is dead. Yeah. Uh, the uh, third one was Ellen Payne. Yeah, I thought about that, but they kind of removed him from the show because the actor died of cancer or right. got cancer and couldn't be on yeah, the show I guess he's, uh, yeah he's i guess he is theoretically alive for the purposes of the show they played fast and loose with that that list because that list has changed throughout like yeah. you know I, i'm sure there's articles out there that i'm not going to read but i've noticed that the list changes the amount of people that are on it depending on what season you're watching sure and regardless sure. of who's alive and dead right all right so we're next doug all right so uh immediately following uh yeah we got that weird look when um uh, Sansa tells Arya that Bran's here, and she's like, "Great!" And she's like, mm, "Not great." <laughs> and uh, they go to see Bran in the Godswood, and uh, you know, not to be out creeped by his little sister, uh, who actually hugs him. He goes right into the whole "I've been watching you" thing. Same shit he pulled with Sansa, which over- went over well. 
And, uh, you know, saw, saw her at the crossroads, so you won't be lonely. Uh, he, also, <laughs> he also brings up uh, Arya's death list, and Sansa's like, I like this acting, because Sansa's taken back at a moment at, at first, and then she's like, fuck it, who else is on this list? She could tell, like, she just, like, had a mental break. She's like, everything is bonkers, so why don't you have a list? Tell me all about it. And she said, well, most of them are dead, and really doesn't answer the question. Anyway, they talk about Littlefinger being there. Arya's not happy with it. Um, Bran shows her the dagger that he gave uh, him, and he's like, what am I going to do with it? You can have it. Um, what good is that to a cripple? Um, uh, she takes it, and they walk back into Winterfell where Brienne and Pod are observing the family reunion. Uh, Pod says that uh, Brienne should be proud since she kind of fulfilled the promise to uh, Catelyn Stark and both girls are home safe. Brienne rightfully feels like she did next to nothing because she didn't do much. I mean, she she did, she did something. Do shit. Uh, you know, she had that whole plan with, uh, hey, I'm just going to stare at the tower for yeah. <laughs> months on end. Uh, Pod says uh, she shouldn't be so hard on, hard on herself. And we actually get a kind of sweet moment where Pod remembers her gender and calls her lady. Instead of sir, like she's a knight, and she assumes he meant the opposite, and then it's like, oh, thank you, Pod. Uh, and also, Littlefinger is observing this whole thing, but he's more of a creep, and we get ravens cawing in the background while he's watching. So I'm thinking that he doesn't like the development, but once again, we don't know what Littlefinger's plan is, so I can't be bothered to care too much or guess at it. I don't know. Yeah, this is uh, this has to go down in history as one of the worst family reunions ever. Uh, I guess at least Bran hugged. Uh, hugged yeah, he did return the hug, bit. didn't he? Yeah, no, he did. He had his arm around her, so maybe he's realizing he's not. Uh, a, I don't. I don't know. I think what like he, a sociopath, he's just learning. Okay, this is what human beings do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that this introduction was handled much better than the Sansa one. Obviously, uh, when Sansa met Bran again for the first time in a long time. Uh, I thought this was a good way to convey that he knows everything or knows a lot without making it real fucking weird or creepy. Yeah, like, because was, Arya didn't get raped at the crossroads or whatever. No. And instead, he's kind of bringing up things that she should be proud of or at least define her life now instead of bringing up the worst experience of her life. Um, even though it was handled better, I still thought it felt kind of flat. Uh, but I guess that's yeah. part of just the the brand, what brand is now according to yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's all yeah. because of Bran. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. And this saw uh, this tying in with the other, the last scene uh, or two scenes ago, where Sansa met Arya. I, I it's, it, I just don't like how it seems like recently they've been building a lot of plot out of people just not talking to each other, or sharing details, or withholding information. Yeah. Which that's kind of bothersome to me. It's it would be so easy. And actually, would happen in real life is when Arya says, "Look, I, I this is what happened to me." Yeah, and it would I mean, be enjoyable. It would be a time yeah. like maybe Arya breaks down and cries, and Sansa comforts her, or vice yeah. versa. Sansa breaks down and cries, telling her story. And you know, we obviously the, they would take like an hour to tell all the details. And they would take probably hours talking to each other in real life. But you know, you can make give us a hint of that, right? Yeah, yeah. They start crying, and then. You get a little card up that says 20 minutes later, and that's how I became an assassin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I just just talk, you dummies, you know? Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to raise was um, that Sansa, or Arya, of course, has seen 
Littlefinger since Winterfell. She saw him in Harrenhal as Tywin's advisor. Remember, there was that moment where Oh, yeah, where, oh, did I recognize her or not? Yeah, so that's curious to me as well, because I would think that Arya would remember him as one of Tywin's advisors, so she would know he's adverse, but to the to the Starks, but I mean, who who even knows? Yeah, I mean, I thought that she'd want him dead right away, but I don't know what she knows about, like how much she knows about Littlefinger's involvement with her dad's eventual execution. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. betray them, but maybe she doesn't know any anything about that. Well, he still was an advisor to Tywin. I mean, I think that's that would be enough for her. But but she yeah. seemed she seemed more annoyed that Littlefinger was there as opposed to angry, yeah, and ready to kill him. And she's not yeah. on, he's not on her list, so. I don't know what to think. Even though she should probably be number one on the list. So. You should. One thing I did want to mention, too, is Arya getting the Valyrian Seal dagger. They seem to make it a big deal because later uh, in another scene or two, Bran wants to see it and comments how cool it is. So I feel like this is an upgrade. Like It's an RPG kind of video game where you find like the, you know, you have the regular sword and then you get the master sword. I think the quote from Zelda is, uh, master using it and you can have it. <laughs> Is that the direct quote? Uh, do you remember that when you would go get the swords and the old man in the cave? I think that yeah, was... Yeah, what did he say? I, I remember I think getting it said it. master using it and you can have it. I've got to look that one up. Hey, Sam Shu, yeah. send us an email, some feedback. Let us know if that's the case. And if I got that, send me 20 bucks because that's a good pull. <laughs> yes. All right. Anything else to say about this weird family reunion? No, no, that's all. So next, uh, Danny and Missandei are strolling the grounds, having a conversation. Apparently, they don't know the fate of the Unsullied yet, and uh, Miss Andy and kisses and tells. They, uh, let's see. Oh, they also kind of throw in a comment um, that, uh, that, oh, I'm sorry, they kind of went, uh, skipped over my note to the other note. Fine. So they end up meeting John on the shores of uh, Dragonstone to go visit the Obsidian Mines. John makes a comment that they that the mines are stocked and it's all the dragonstone or uh, obsidian that they'll ever need, and they um oh my gosh my notes are all over the place here I was kind of I jumping ahead of my notes and then that's fine I'll, I mean I can start just off the top of the dome if you want no okay so so they end up, they end up uh, moving uh, walking into the caves the cave there are cave paintings in the mines that depict geometric patterns that we've seen before of course made by the children of the forest a long time ago Danny's enthralled and speculates uh, what age it might have been apparently she thinks that they were before men appeared or before the first men John then shows her a cave drawing of the first men and the children together and then shows her pictures of white walkers and it becomes apparent that the first men and children of the forest were fighting white walkers together john then turns this into a homily about how they need to fight together john then admits he cannot win the north or defeat the uh the white army without danny the dragon so danny says that she will fight for him or with him and then a dramatic pause when john bends the knee John refuses and says the North would not follow a Southerner. Danny says that they will if he does. Isn't their survival more important than pride? And the scene cuts without providing some answer as to whether he bends the knee. So the first and most important thing I got to say is those drawings of the uh, the Night's King were ridiculous. <laughs> like <laughs> it seemed like they went from stick figures to like uh, very explicit detailed drawings of the Night King, and like there was like blue for the eyes and shit. 
It kind of reminds me of like when you uh, watch a movie and they, the screenwriters are like, oh yeah, it'll be a kid's drawing of the killer. And it's like, you can tell like a very deft hand used, you know, crayons to draw with, but it's so complicated, the amount of detail. Um, it was just ridiculous. Uh, another thing is John is a straight up pickup artist, you know. She's like, I oh, he's a pillow. Yeah, straight up, he's trained by mystery because yeah. she's looking at these spiral things, and and she's like, I don't understand what else. And he, instead of grabbing the torch, he initiates contact by grabbing her hand and guiding her to the right. That's just a yeah. baller move, you know. He, but he forgot to neg her. Yeah, he should have been like, you know, I would bang the knee or bend the knee. You seem like you'd be worth it if. You know, I've seen, I don't know. I've seen that dress look better on other queens. I don't know. Nice dress. Does it come in your size? (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, yeah, this is a real contrived thing, and I'm so glad they didn't make out because that's what it seemed like they were building towards. They kept getting into more closer and closer confines. And I got to tell you, Danny looks pretty good in that firelight. I mean, I've, you know, I find her, yeah, she's an attractive looking woman anyway, but I, I was just wanting to kiss her uh, in the way it was shot, the pouty lips, you know, the eyes, and I would have bent my knee in a second if you know what I mean. Okay, this is enough <laughs> of your, your fan fiction. But Crazy. anyway, another thing I want to say, and, uh, you can interrupt me whenever you want, but this whole, like, why doesn't John just bend the knee? He says his people won't follow a southerner, but you know how you can solve that problem? Okay, I will bend the knee, but you know what you got to do? You got to bring one of your dragons to Winterfell with you, and we'll go there together, and you're going to burn somebody alive, somebody I don't like. <laughs> and, the, and, then the, and then people in the north will be like, fuck, we can't fight these giant magical beasts. And John's like, yeah, I guess I bend the knee. And I think they'd be cool with it, because what the fuck does John care? Or they take advantage of what the whole reason that she didn't bring Dario is just get married. Yeah, I mean, I think they might be building towards that. Uh, yeah. You know, John, he is king of the north, and even though the north isn't that populated, it is geographically almost half the, like, land mass of the Seven Kingdoms. So I guess that would make sense. I mean, and the Targaryens yeah. were married to the Dornish. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what, or- once again, the callback to Oberon, all these, like, callbacks... Oberyn Martell, uh, you know, his sister was queen of the Seven Kingdoms. The Targaryens married a Dornish royal family uh, person. So it's not unprecedented. Mm Mm-hmm. So I I didn't like the ambiguity of ending the scene with him just not – I mean, I I wish he would just have outright refusal because in theory they could come back and say, oh, he did bend the knee in the cave because nothing really happened after that. But um, I did like the cave drugs a lot. I think that got me pretty good. Uh, but then afterward, when I thought about it and looked at him, it is silly, as you alluded to earlier. It's just kind of ridiculous that it, all the, he shows up and he tells her all these things, and then she just goes down there and it happens to be the exact cave drawings to back up what he's yeah, his story. It's just way too convenient. I mean, why couldn't if he had just carved them himself? And then <laughs> you would think yeah. that people would know about this stuff because this was an act of mine, I think. I, I don't know. Oh, or it was just – I mean – you got to think people are just bored. There's no TV or internet. Let's go right. check out. I live on Dragonstone. Let's go check out that cave next to the castle. Uh, it didn't seem like it was hidden that well. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, one other detail I read about online is uh, this is presumably a, a these paintings or cave scratches were from the long night, uh, which would set these about 8,000 years before in this universe. Interesting. 
and the ominous thunder in the background. Um, yes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, and then other people have mentioned. Like I said, I don't listen to podcasts, but just like just browsing on the internet, I've seen in Twitter. People are pointing out that the rendition of the Night's King, if that's who it is, because it looks just like him, except for the goatee. So I guess the Night King decided to shave. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he had better grooming habits back then. I guess you know maybe that was the rage that was the style back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it this wasn't. I didn't enjoy this scene, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Like I said, I thought it was totally going to be like a makeout session. Um. It, it got me. I, it really it drew me in, and then when I looked back on it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of silly. Yeah. Okay, so Danny and John leave the cave without any official alliance or exchanging fluids, thank God. And they find uh, Varys and Tyrion uh, on the beach looking like sad sacks. They inform her of the second huge embarrassing failure, um, that being that the... Uh, they were able to take Lannister or the Casterly Rock, but that now the uh, what are they called Unsullied are stuck there, basically without any ships. Uh, and she goes off on a tirade. She's stomping around. Everybody's following her. Davos is like, "Hey, we can go," and she's like, "Nope, you're staying right here." <laughs> uh, Tyrion pleads uh, with her to stick to the plan. Uh, they still have enough boats to get the Dothraki over to King's Landing to do their blockade or whatever. And uh, Danny is pissed, and she's like, fuck that shit. I'm going to unleash hell on the Red Keep. Uh, Tyrion objects again, and then she turns to Jon Snow in frustration. Um, Jon's advice, even though he doesn't want to give it, is that, you know, she did something that has never been done before, so she gives people hope uh, that she can do impossible things, but if she goes around melting buildings and enforcing her will with the dragons... Um, she's just like every other violent asshole they've ever met in their lives are full of shit. <laughs> good summary. Yep. Um, no, I, this is a, I thought this was a pretty good scene. I did. Um, I didn't like the low blow on t- to Tyrion. This, this is your family. That was kind of a low blow. Yeah, it was um, a low blow, but you know, she was pissed and he's, yeah. you know, he's got to expect some kind of blowback for advising this plan and it's fucking up. I mean, it oh, maybe that wasn't yeah that wasn't the right blow to you know that wasn't the right thing to criticize, but at the same time, you should have expected some kind of shrapnel because of this, right? And I did like uh, in retrospect now the uh, kind of red herring of it would be more the same if you go smash the red keep. So you start to think, okay, well, there's no way she's going to attack anyone now because even her her best advisor, who's actually a terrible advisor, told her not to, and then. This, she kind of turns to this third party, Jon Snow, and he says, no, don't do it. So I thought that was a uh, good way to set up or at least uh, change your expectations of the, of the episode. Well, that's I, I guess we'll get, uh, we could get there when we get there, but let's talk about it now. She is kind of, she's not burning the red keep, but she's still setting people on fire in this like. But I don't think that the common people will be upset about uh, setting soldiers on fire. You know what? I would ha- I I agree with that. And my counter to that yeah. was we just learned with Arya two episodes when she hung out with the Edge uh, Shamalama Ding Dong and the cool Lannisters that these guys are just normal people. They're just common folks trying to get back to their their wife that's pregnant. Uh, they mm-hmm. just signed up because they had no other choices. They couldn't go to college, so they had to join the Lannister army. So she is burning alive the common folk. 
because these Lannister guys are just enlisted um, guys that have I, nothing to do with I, the fucking Lannister. They're just doing what their bosses tell them. Uh, I and, think, though, that the average person will view a soldier being killed versus burning uh, whatever whoever's living in a city. I think that's a pretty big difference between the two. I guess, but I think that's a fallacy. If these, you know, she was able to get all three dragons to burn one boat in the Sea of Marine. You can't tell me she can't get all three dragons to just burn the Red Keep and not attack the rest of the city. Guys, the Red Keep is separated from the rest of the city by a goddamn moat and some gates and, and walls. Like, it's just ridiculous the fact that uh, if she attacks the Red Keep and not and she can't uh, she can't help but attack all of King's Landing. Now maybe her armies would have to uh, assail King's Landing, but the Red Keep itself, no, she can just go in with the uh, dragons dive bomb it. Basically, what happened to uh, Harrenhal? Harrenhal was well, fucking you, melted. Uh, I'll tell you, I did not know that, and I uh, watched the show with you. So yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, it's a uh, fortress. Yeah. It's a. It's supposed to be a. Uh, you know, a, a fortress inside a fortress. You know, there's the the walls of King's Landing, but then there's the Red Keep, which is another castle inside those walls. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, anyway, Anything else to say about that scene? Yeah, yeah, I do. All right, so... Okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we all know that Dave and Dan, the, the showrunners, are, uh, you know, people call... They wouldn't call themselves feminists, but people call them feminists. <laughs> anyway, we have a scene where a woman turns to a man for advice, which, uh, you know... That's the way I read it initially. I was like, this is bullshit. She's asking John what she sh- what should I do? <laughs> but uh I guess John and Stannis have asked other people for advice, but those other people have been of the same gender, so I guess it hasn't been that blatant. Um but it just made her look a little weak, but you're right. I guess she doesn't take his advice fully because she goes all ham, but mm-hmm. she doesn't do it on the red keep, so I don't know how to interpret that. I don't either. Maybe that she came up with her own plan. Yeah, she found a middle path. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah. If nothing else, I guess we'll move on. Yes, let's do that. Uh, So next, uh, Brianna's training Pod. And apparently Pod has learned nothing. He's getting housed, even though, of course, Brianna's one of the greatest sword fighters around. Ori arrives and tells Pod uh, not to fight. Brienne, although it doesn't explain what that's all about. Meanwhile, Sansa and Littlefinger are discussing grain on a higher level at Winterfell, and they stop to look at uh, Brienne, Pod, and Arya talking. Sansa Eilie continues to seem to trust uh, Littlefinger and include him in his plan, her plans. I guess the reason is likely that he controls the Reach, or uh, yeah, the Reach, right? Right. Yeah. Arya then asks Brienne to train with her, and uh, they get to fighting. Arya shows off some uh, real water dancer skills and seems to be getting the better of Brienne. And uh, we end with the scene with almost, or the fight, the pretend fight with almost a mutual killing where they both have the their swords at each other's throats. Arya is the badass now, apparently. Uh, she's able to hold up and actually defeat Brienne, despite Brienne being one of the best swords around. Quite a transition from uh, a previous Arya. Meanwhile, this seemed to upset Sansa who kind of uh, gets a, a screw that face and then walks out while Littlefinger keeps creeping. Now, this won't be the first time I've compared uh, Game of Thrones to the Fast and Furious movies, but <laughs> this is something they do all the time when they have two like badasses meet and fight. 
where yeah. no one clearly wins and no one loses. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. It's this just it's just masturbation. Um I, I did like them interacting. It's once again, this is what we talk about, which is great about the show and not the books, is these characters that never got to interact in the books or haven't yet get to do that. But I just feel like this was a little bit of a time waste. Um it's just showing mutual respect between two badasses, and I keep thinking, only nine episodes left. Three in this season yeah. and six in the next, and we're wasting time on this. Uh, yeah, I was not a fan of this scene either. Um, I, it, it was helpful in that it illustrated how far Arya had come in her fighting because she's able to hold her own against Brienne. But I Brienne, feel like that came out of nowhere. It really did, because the last we saw, she was barely able to stand up to the waif. In, in uh, tummy sticks or stick fighting right. or whatever. Tummy sticks, so, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So that did kind of come out of nowhere. Um, I don't don't think we saw her with a sword the entire time she was at the uh, Faceless Men house. So it did kind of come out of nowhere, but at least now our expectation for her abilities is set, and I think that we realize that she is Neo a complete from the Matrix. Badass. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so, so no, I, I understand the one. criticism, but I, I I'm just trying to turn off my critical I, I, yeah, brain, yeah. and so I now we too. know she's a badass. So that's good. Uh, and like I said, I I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Um, it, incredibly entertaining, wildly yeah. entertaining, in fact. But you know, we're gonna criticize it because what else are we gonna do? Just talk about how much we love it. Oh man, so great. Yeah, you can listen to those other stupid podcasts if you want that yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Not us. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> all right, so Coach Davos and the King in the North are strolling around the Dragonstone grounds, I guess, just going for a walk. Uh, Coach Davos asks John uh, what he thinks of Danny. Um, you know, he's noticed him leering at her breasts, I guess. Um, he says, hey, I've got no time for that. We don't have enough men to defend the North and the Night's King's coming. And we have, you know, he's like, how many do we have? And he's something, it comes out that John uses the word less. Uh, when grammatically he should have used the word fewer, and uh, Stannis cor- or uh, Davos corrects him, very similar to what Stannis did to Davos, which is another callback. Um, did you catch that right. one? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's something that Stannis does in the books too. Is pretty. No great. correction. I caught that after I read it online. <laughs> you fucking dick. I, I did not catch that one. I want to make sure uh, I'm on the up and up here. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah. Wait. Thank you for being honest. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, then they, they meet up in their travels with Miss Andy, who I guess is just chilling outside for whatever reason. Uh, she inquires about what a bastard is and why John doesn't have his dad's name. Uh, you know, she gives the backstory about her history as a freed slave. And uh, John and Davos are both dubious about how much free will she really has since she, you know, was a slave serving somebody else. Now she's serving Danny. And Miss Andy says, hey, we're all doing this because we believe in her. You know, these platitudes are kind of annoying, but they 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 do the job. And at this moment, um, they see a ship pulling into port. They go down to greet it, and guess what? It's Theon and the crew of people that hate him from the Ironborn. And John approaches him and grabs him roughly and says, "Hey, if it wasn't for you saving Sansa, I'd kill you right here and now." Um, Coach Davos smooths things along by asking for a status report. He's like, status report, Theon. And Theon's like, uh, Euron has Yara. Uh, and I came back to ask Danny for her help getting her back. And Coach Davos, or John says, she's not here. And we get some rousing uh, music. 
And Theon asks, well, where did she go? Yeah, I, I didn't really pick up on the subtlety of that myself. And, what you subtlety? know, I actually had, or that, that she was off, not subtlety, but the hint that she was off uh, fighting somewhere else. The, oh, and that she was not there. I, I, you know, I just had a feeling that that's where she was going was to, to fuck up, you know, why would Jamie be in the scene or this uh, episode um, and all this stuff of talk about, um, you know, oh, I haven't, guess we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, it just seemed like they were setting it up for an ambush. You know, it I, took, yeah, I well, well I here's the thing is it took no time for Jamie to get from King's Landing to High Garden last season or last episode. So right. why would they show us Jamie on the road to King's Landing? Uh, if, if more wasn't going to happen. I got you. But, well, be better detective than I. Um, I so, guess, uh, I took, I had to like actually think about why John was so angry at Theon. It didn't even pop into my head that he uh, supposedly, or John maybe still thinks he burned Rickon, or he's, you know... He, well, he knows uh, that's not the case, and he knows Bran right. is still alive because Sam told oh, that's him. That's true, that. yeah. So, he, he didn't he didn't kill his brothers, but at the same time, he did, like, steal his house. Right. Mm hmm. So uh, I just want to say it took me a minute to put together, but uh, <clears throat> I didn't have much to say about this, these scenes. Uh, no, I actually agree with you because I watched the previously on and they could have dropped a little, you know, summary of what Theon had done to uh, Winterfell in season two. I'm the king of Winterfell now. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, next real quick, week. real quick. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did the whole conversation with Miss Sandy. I thought was a little bit of time waste again. Nine episodes, guys. Yeah, I agree with you there as well. Uh, we, I mean, I, I guess it's setting up John to eventually believe in Danny from the perspective of that she's helping people, but right. And people God, are following. The audience doesn't need to fucking know yeah, anymore. Exactly. We don't. We got it. But yeah, it's it's this thing that you know uh, they're following Danny not because of who her dad was and her lineage, because they believe in her. This is the same bullshit we heard for the reason why people are following John. And yeah, you're right. They're just hitting us over the head. Yeah, they're equal. They're the same person. I got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's getting kind of tiresome. But uh, I mean, I guess I understand it from the perspective of the characters don't know that yet. But screen time, nine episodes. Let's go. All, All right. right. So speaking of let's go, uh, we see Jamie and Bronze surveying the soldiers uh, when uh, Tarly reports that the gold was safe, it, uh, that it was actually delivered to King's Lang, and now it's time to go back for the food. Tarly wants to do something to motivate these soldiers, and I couldn't really pick up exactly what he was uh, saying. I watched it with uh, subtitles on the second time, and it was flogging. He's like, flogging oh. motivates people, which is, you gotcha. know, whipping, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that guy's a real... Randy Tarly's a real dickhead. Yep. So, um, next, Jamie goes to see... Uh, What'd you call him earlier? Cockoff. Uh, how about Dickard? Oh, Dickard. Yeah, Jamie goes to see Dickard and asks. <laughs> no, about... wait, he first calls him Rickon, and he corrects himself, and then yeah. Bron laughs in his face, which I found thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, Bron's just roasting this guy. Uh, so uh, Jamie asks how if uh, Dickon enjoyed his first battle. Uh, apparently, Rickon was upset. During his first battle, he killed people he knew, and he also didn't like the smell. Bronn suddenly hears something, and Jamie tells uh, they realize something uh, is afoot, and so Jamie tells begins screaming off for all the men to squat up. The men prepare, and um, we now hear the scream of the Dothraki, and suddenly see a whole bunch of, uh, of Dothraki coming. 
Uh, Tarly also tells his man to get his men to get ready, and then Bronn tells Jamie to flee, but Jamie refuses. And suddenly, a goddamn dragon piloted by Danny uh, shows up, and she says the dreaded words Drew carries, and Drogon begins roasting people. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, when when uh, you know, I don't know why they're talking to Dickon, except for just to set up the moment of like, you know. Ron's like, what is that noise? Uh, and the yeah, well, tension. Sure, it's the calm before the storm. Like you're thinking, this is kind of a calm scene, and then all of a sudden, fucking dragons. I gotta think that, um, uh, at least I want to think that either Dickon or Randall are gonna die or die during this battle. Maybe I don't know. I think it could make it more interesting and more costly to the Lannisters. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how he wouldn't. I don't know how fucking everybody wouldn't die. Oh, yeah. Um, especially if they brought the other two dragons, perhaps? Yeah, I, what are they doing? Like, it <laughs> seemed like she has somehow, she controls them somehow because she did it in Marine. They already set up that. You know, it's not like we're just making this shit up. Yep. You know, she basically called them and was able to roast, we talked about this, one boat out of all those other boats and all the other, you know, the other two dragons she wasn't riding kind of like fell in line and were under her command somehow. Yeah, well, after they smashed their way out of jail, yeah, out of dragon guess, jail. So. And she told them to do that too? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, they said they have to get, because Randall comes in and says, you know, the gold's, you know, in King's Landing, which initially I was like, oh, they got the gold? Fuck that. Kind of upset that they got yeah. the gold in there. Uh, but, you know, I guess food and supplies are going to be more valuable when winter gets there for everybody. Um, but Randall Tarley also says we need to get uh, half of the, the rest of the things over the Blackwater Rush. Now, the Blackwater Rush is the river that empties out into the Blackwater Bay. So I wonder how close this is to King's Landing. Because King's Landing is right on Blackwater Bay. Mm-hmm. How I close are we? Yeah, the the uh, um, I'm trying so hard not to be uh, to not worry about timelines and me too. Uh, but they had to. Yeah, they, they could have just said the silly. river. But the fact that he had yeah. to say the Blackwater Rush made me think. Okay, well, I'm trying to think of geography now. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know either. But I I wish they would have left that out. But yeah, the charge seeing like horizon horizon of like Dothraki. Listen, if that dragon hadn't shown up, I'm pretty sure the Dothraki would have fucked them up royal uh, anyway. Yeah, I thought that the Lannister men were actually holding up fairly well, but the Dothraki was clear they had significant numbers. And then as the scene pro- progressed, you started to see more and more how insane the Dothraki were and how, how powerful they were. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. All right, so, uh, yeah, so... The dragon comes in, we get it to Drew Carries and uh, Drogon, you know, who is the size of a fucking flying blue whale, sweeps in and, uh, you know, roasts the shit out of the front line of the Lannister men, instantly breaking their line, allowing the uh, Dothraki to go right through. So yeah. any any kind of, like, organization that the uh, Lannister forces had is basically destroyed. It just evolves into, you know, all-out fighting and... I guess some of, you know, I guess parts of the line still hold. We see it later. But uh, they flood in. Um, the Dothraki are still breaking through uh, up and down the line where 
uh, Drogo wasn't. And, uh, you know, they're suffering some casualties, but they seem to be inflicting more uh, than they're taking. And, um, you know, Dothraki are fucking nuts. So they're horse surfing. They're jumping off their horses. They're shooting arrows while standing up on the horseback. Uh, they're basically on a whole nother level. And, you know, they sound like Indians with their hooping, hoop, hooting and hollering, I guess, further cementing the whole Wild West kind of theme. Um, and while this is happening, Danny decides she goes for another uh, strafing run on the wagons. Um, you know, she destroys the wagons, basically making whatever the Lannister men are supposed to protect uh, worthless because it's all destroyed, making their impending deaths even more meaningless, which I found great. Uh, <laughs> Jamie commands a bunch of archers to form up uh, for the next dragon pass, and uh, Danny dives right at him. And just as the arrows approach, she banks Drogon to the right, and they harmlessly, all the arrows feebly bounce off his scales. Uh, and Daniel, Danny continues her fiery holocaust, lighting the wagons and men alike on fire. And it is fucking glorious. This was, yeah, this whole thing, I'm just fucking, I didn't stand up, but I was on the edge of my seat. I was enjoying this thoroughly, and it's beautifully shot. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, the, the Dothraki. Turns out they're really badass. The jumping off the horses, just stabbing people, shooting the uh, the arrows on while they're on the horses. It's almost like a uh, from the old um, Homestar Runners, a bear holding a shark. Like it's just double, <laughs> double, double attack. Crazy. Can you tell the younger viewers what Homestar Runner is? Uh, it was a very odd thing, and I don't think it's still funny. Uh, I don't know if it is or not. We have made reference to burninating the countryside prior. so. Uh, but anyways, uh, the uh, strategic strafing of all the food seemed like a bad move to me. I mean, doesn't didn't Danny even earlier in this episode yeah, she say said that we they need, need food? food yeah. yeah. So I don't know why they don't just kill all the men and take all the yeah, food. Yeah, just burn the guys. Yeah. Just do the same um, strafing run, but burn the men. Also odd to me that uh, they've got – we see the reveal later on the anti-dragon weaponry, why they don't have someone dedicated to that the entire time or multiple of those those scorpions. Well, it did not make, not, not make a ton of sense to me. The only explanation is that, you know, no one's seen these dragons. It's all rumor as of now. Right. Uh, so this but is yeah, the first you, time the dragons have been left. But, yeah, you would think you'd have one guy. It's And the same thing in, in the – the dragon-killing weapon, the scorpion, comes out of a big tent. We'll, we'll get there. Spoiler alert. But it's just like a Gatlin gun. Like, if you, if you saw, what was it, uh, Westworld, they did the same thing where, like, I think, like, you know, a flap came out of a, a, a wagon and there was a Gatlin gun and somebody just started killing, you know, dozens of people. Like, a whole other right. level worth of uh, firepower. God, that shit was stupid. Well, we'll get there, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't understand why you have this. You realize the threat to the extent that you build this very, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, expensive and difficult to build weapon. You take the, I'll have all the trouble of carrying it along with you, but you don't have a, a person in there to man it in case something goes down. It seems uh, very odd to me. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Uh, great battle. Great battle, though. Yep. So it continues. Uh, what happens next? So uh, Jamie tells Bronn uh, to go man the anti-dragon cannon because uh, Bronn or Jamie does not have the hand to do so. Uh, then Dickon saves Jamie from a a marauding uh, Dothraki. Bronn then squares off with the Dothraki, and uh, the Dothraki slices off the horse's leg. Which did you find that odd? 
Uh, I thought it was cool because, you know, Braun has gone up against so many other people and he's like always dispatched them like quickly. So mm-hmm. I found like him meeting his match pretty great. Um, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, the ability, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't about to question the physics of him slicing off a horse's leg. I just like the fact that he got the upper hand above Braun, which Braun has been an unstoppable like warrior up until this point. No, I, I was. Th- I thought more that uh, that the Dothraki love horses so much. You would think they wouldn't maim a horse to kill a man, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, anyways. Uh, so Bronn, uh in the middle of all of this, falls off. When he falls off his horse, he drops his gold and has to ha- decide whether to keep his gold or go man the anti dragon cannon. Uh, he decides to scamper away from the goal. We then have a long shot of bronze scampering through the battlefield. Some close calls, but he eventually makes it to the dragon gun, calls back to the uh, Battle of the Bastards where John is running through the battle scene. The uh, There's a Jothraki that's been chasing him throughout the scene and peers into the dragon gun tent, and Bronn wastes a bolt by killing him with it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> then we uh, we go out to, um, to, to Danny is uh, burninating the countryside. Tyrion surveys the carnage. Uh, Tyrion kind of appears out of nowhere to survey the carnage, while the Dothraki that is accompanying him says that Tyrion's people uh, are bad at fighting. Then uh, we kind of switch to Jamie, who is surveying the damage, and uh, kind of parallels where they're both horrified with the carnage that's going on. Danny then uh, returns for another pass at roasting people, we cut back to Bronn, who then fires a bolt and narrowly misses Drogon. Bronn then reloads, and just as as Drogon is about to roast him, he hits Drogon in the shoulder. Drogon then flies away and then comes back. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He doesn't fly away. He stays there and then just roasts that anti-dragon gun while Bronn narrowly escapes. Drogon then lands in the middle of the battle and is injured. Danny tries to remove the bolt while Jamie looks on. Jamie then makes a run at the dragon while Tyrion calls him an idiot from afar. Just as Drogon is about to roast Jamie, Bronn jumps off the horse, pulling Jamie in the water, and we close on a shot of Jamie sinking into the deep, even though uh, that should just be the shallows, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you went on a lot longer than I thought you would for the summary, but yeah, that was one of my biggest things, is Jamie was literally riding his horse in the shallow water that right. he got thrown into, which now is at least 20 or 30 feet deep, uh, which is a yeah. problem. All right, so there's a lot to dissect, so let's start from the top. Oh, before I... Another big thing. Is it is brownface offensive if it's brownface for a culture that is fictional? <laughs> because there were a lot of clearly, like, white guys are non, uh, pe- non-ethnic people with dark makeup and jet black, horrible jet black looking, like, wigs and, like, mustaches and shit. Did you I didn't that? notice. I did. No, I don't see color. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're so you're so woke. Um, but yeah, okay. So first of all, going back to Jamie telling Braun to go uh, man the scorpion, uh, he also gets in a, a duel with uh, a, like a a bad guy. Uh, you know, Dothrak. He gets paired up, but on the way, he's like pretty good with his sword play, and then he's gone on the left hand path, and not the magic with a K left hand path. But the fact that he doesn't have a right hand anymore, so he has to use his left hand, and he's pretty good. So this is the first time I yeah. think we've seen him using his uh, left hand sword ability. Um, 
but yeah, he gets in the one-on-one duel and just, you know, he got his ass saved by uh, Cockoff. Um, and the fact that, you know, I think Brand, uh, Braun losing his goal too is motivation for him perhaps trying to rescue Jamie at the end there or maybe, you know, because, you know, you know, if Jamie's dead, Braun doesn't get anything, especially now that he doesn't have any gold. Right. Um, I'm just going to keep going, so stop me in any, any you want. No, go ahead. All right, last week... Uh, so going back to the Dothraki guy that was chasing Braun, getting like harpooned and stabbed against the wall. I mean, Grey Worm did that last week to a Lannister guard, and he was just a man throwing a spear. He also yeah, impaled- that looked, that looked stupid as shit. <laughs> that did look <laughs> stupid as shit. But I'm saying yeah. that's the world we're in, so I, I don't see it impressive that you know if they were trying to show this spear gun being very powerful. I mean, I mean they should just have Grey Worm throwing spears to take out dragons. Uh, because he can impale dudes against walls, no problem. Just throwing spears. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I did enjoy like Jamie saying like right before he loses it, he's like, "Take cover," and the guys all like take cover behind <laughs> their shield, and they just get disintegrated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. The, the that the the dragon fire is so hot it just turns turns people into ash like instantaneously i mean it can melt stone so that makes sense yeah. it's you know that's true uh but yeah it reminds me of like the duck and cover drills uh that people in florida were doing during the uh you know cuban missile crisis it's just like hey if the nuclear bombs come go under your fucking shitty uh particle board desks and huddle <laughs> yeah I thought I, I really wondered where the other two dragons were. I mean, I think the explanation is CGI budget, but um, that sucked. I mean, uh, if they had three dragons there, uh, I mean, they would just would have wrecked so much harder. And that, they didn't even bother to offer an explanation in the show, which I was kind of disappointed on. And I don't know that there was a good explanation for it. You know what would have been better? Let's fix this in post. Uh, Theon goes, wait a minute, I don't, when he's talking to John on the beach. Wait a minute, I only see two dragons. Where's Drogon? And then we would have found out, you know, that the other two dragons were left behind. Who knows? What but even if, it, I mean, it's obvious that she did leave them behind, but why? Why wouldn't you take your force? Because if, theoretically, if Drogon is downed, then the, then she's dead as well. Like, I don't it's, I don't think this is a thing where only... I, I agree. Like, it's, 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 it's every game is a win-or-go-home situation, I would think. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, the uh, gosh, the, the the ending was silly. I, I mean, I didn't understand it of Jamie just going down to the water. And one of our friends, actually, who's appeared on the show, old face dog, he he said like, I love this episode until that shot. It really took me out of it and kind of ruined the battle to some extent with me. Well, that, you I know mean, uh, Jonah, who got swallowed by the whale. Uh, I mean, I know of the story. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to talk like these uh, fucking douchebag uh, uh, showers oh, yeah. in the after the show, <laughs> comparing uh, Arya returning home to Odysseus because, you know, that's a lot. Uh, I don't want to go off on people that just reference the same like five or six classical literature, uh, you know, uh, characters. But uh, yeah, it's just dumb. Like, all right, so it, they, we never get confirmation that it is Bron. So there's an outside chance it could have been Dickon that saved his ass. But I would think Braun right. has the most motivation to save Jamie. Number one, number two, Braun already dived out of the way of Dragonfire at the last minute. So him doing it again kind of feels unsatisfying. This time he's diving out of the way of Dragonfire yeah. and grabbing Jamie. I mean, 
Like if it, like can dragons not spray continuously while turning their neck to the left? Like I Yeah, and, I mean couldn't he heat the water up so hot that it just boils Jamie? I well mean, not if it's twenty feet deep. I guess so. Oh god, so stupid. Yeah, that was bad. Um yeah, I, I, the only thing, my only explanation of why that was is just because what what else is the end point of the episode? I don't know how else they would end the episode other than having the battle end, but I think they left that ambiguous or left it open to be resolved in the next episode. Yeah. But of course, Jamie's not dead, so this is one of those those uh, cliffhanger-ish type yeah. things that we know is not a real cliffhanger. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Jamie's uh, fate, but real quick, one thing I did want to point out is when, uh, I really liked when Drogon landed after getting shot in the uh, shoulder or neck or whatever. He lands and then sees, like, a, a wagon to his right, and he just fucks it up. He just, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah. tail over there to destroy it. This is like, yeah. fuck you thing. I, this hurts. I got a thing in my arm. Yeah, I did really like that. Um, showed well, you think it was like a thing where like you stub your toe and yeah, then and you, you kick something else and yeah, and, and then you make, hurt yourself yep, even worse. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, so let me ask you this: for do you think that Drogon is actually seriously injured, or is this more to convey the idea that these dragons are mortal, and so now that the Danny should be worried because they can? That's my right? that's my yeah. uh, theory. It's just showing that the dragons can be. Uh, wounded, but we already knew that because just like Kyburn, we saw uh, Drogon getting injured by the spears from the Sons of the Harpy in the last season, or two seasons ago, or yeah. whatever it was. But they, those were just dummies throwing sh- throwing those uh, spears. Yeah, what wooden the spears. People throw or sh- shooting arrows with uh, theoretically a lot higher velocity, sharper points. I mean, shouldn't those been able to... Be- well, I guess that was... At the same time, that was a long time ago, so these dragons are uh, grown and sexy at this point, so maybe the scales are also stronger. I don't I know. I don't know. And then, a lot of speculation. And then another thing is this show is obsessed with nobody wearing armor. I can understand not wearing helmets. I mean, Jamie's not wearing a helmet in battle, uh, which is ridiculous, but once again, just like a- the Alien movies, you got to see the actor's face. I get it. But Amelia Clark can definitely right. wear... You know, armor that can deflect an arrow because, like, Miss Sandy was like a couple episodes back. She's like, You can't just go in there. One arrow would take you down. Well, you know, if she's wearing fucking, like, you know, medieval armor, she'll be fine. You know, and that's yeah. the precedent set in the books is that the uh, dragon riders did have armor on. So, and I don't know if the uh, dragons could probably get some armor too. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Throw a uh, th- throw a suit of armor on a dragon. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, are you serious? <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go ahead and pure speculation. So, uh, yeah, Tyrion sees this whole thing. He knows his brother's there. He knows his brother like did a suicidal charge, and I presume he saw his brother go into the water. So Jamie's not dead. They wouldn't kill Jamie in this way. So Jamie's going to survive. So I would presume that Jamie is in in Daenerys and Tyrion's clutches and if he's not I'm going to be very upset because there's no logical reason that he would not drown and still somehow get away from the people slaughtering the Oh, you know what? Well, well, there is one good explanation. Mermaids? Uh, Gendry Gendry picks him up. Oh, Jesus, I'm sick of the Gendry jokes. Uh. <laughs> it's the first one, it's it's the first one, one you've made. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'll excuse it, but uh, the other podcasts are like, <laughs> you know, his forearms are going to be like Gendry because Gendry's still rowing. <laughs> well, anytime, thank you for excusing it. Anytime <laughs> Theon, when Theon goes in the water, you know who picked Theon up? Gendry, because he's still rowing. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I don't uh, it's so tiresome. Yeah, yeah don't. Uh, anyway, so really, what's happening to Jamie? I don't know. That's what what's frustrating think? about it. What do you think? It's just... <sighs> Uh, did, didn't did we see in the previews him speaking to Cersei, or speaking to other people? Oh, I don't know. We, oh God, I should have done it. You know what? I'm gonna bring it up on yeah. HBO Go right now, and uh, you can you can talk. Go ahead and uh, you know kill some time while I bring this up. You mean to just vamp? Yeah, vamp. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't know. So I'll throw it back to you. God, I told you I'm trying to find <laughs> the goddamn. Okay, so this is one thing uh, that what I did not like about this episode is. It had one of the shortest runtimes of any episodes that they've ever done. Did you notice how long the um, the after discussion was? Uh, yeah, it went on forever because I looked at the, uh, you know, I always look at how much time is left in the episode. And I allow yeah. for maybe five minutes of credits in the after show interview. And the episode came for an end and like 15 minutes left. And I was like, what? Yeah, so that's what stinks is like that all this nonsense about them doing these long episodes. Um, we haven't really seen that so far. I'm not sure if we will as it goes on, but this is one of the shortest ones in history. Even though it was one of the best ones, uh, give me some more, you know? Give me some more. Give me some more. People what is that? Head, give me some more. Buster Rhymes. Okay, yeah, that's him. Yeah. All right, I almost got it, guys. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> So, uh, let's see. So we got Drogon and Danny's on his back and he's in front of Jon Snow. So presumably, uh, Drogon's, if he was injured and he needed to hang out for a while, he has, uh, been healthy enough to fly back to Dragonstone to go see Jon. We have a scene of Danny addressing what looks like uh, the remnants of the Lannister forces telling them that they need to get on board or die, and Tyrion's by her side. No sign of Jamie. Um, let's see, more carnage. Uh, Varys is telling Tyrion that uh, he needs to rein in Dar- Danny. I guess Danny is getting her ire up. Maybe she wants to go burn more people. I don't know. We see uh. Yeah, Drogon flying around. Uh, Cersei talking to Kyburn, saying we should uh, defeat people. A fuckload of ravens leaving Winterfell, so maybe Bran uh, is able to see the Night's King. Uh, John around the uh, Winterfell, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the table of the Seven Kingdoms in Dragonstone. Bran warging, uh, eyes all white, and a bunch of ravens flying around. Uh, going over the Army of the Dead. And that's pretty much it. I'm sure there's plenty of YouTube videos that'll break it down even further. But, uh... Yeah, I don't know uh, what to expect next week. I feel like this was kind of like a mid-season finale. I mean, we are halfway through the season, so that's pretty Mm -hmm. big. I don't expect any battles to be this big, maybe for the rest of the season. Um, But you gotta think, if there's another battle that doesn't have dragons in it, aren't you gonna be let down? Uh, yeah, I it, yes, I will be, but I really have no idea what to expect at this point. I, I just really, other than of course the spoilers that we referenced earlier, I, I just I don't know what to expect. 
which is good. I mean, that, I think that makes the show interesting. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the idea of Danny trying to like tell the people, "Hey, I just roasted your friends alive, but uh, you can join forces with me and you'll live." I don't know how yeah. interesting that is to me. Um, and I guess Brand finally checking in with the White Walkers. I mean, we've, we're four episodes in, and we have no White Walker sightings except for that one brief, like flash of, you know, resurrected giants walking around. So it's good to yeah, check well, in, I guess, we, up there. We've surmised that this season is about the people fighting each other, and next season is about the people fighting the dead. Right. So uh, I think that's I think that's uh, going according to plan so far. Okay, so my uh, instinct to get the. Uh, Next week on involved in the show is a terrible failure, and we'll never do it again. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so it is rating time. Uh, let you go first. Give us give us your rating once again. Scale Ooh. of one to ten. Yeah. Uh, and, or it's a five ten point scale, zero to five point five increments. I've worked very hard not to repeat the sandwich scale, uh, but I think I have to repeat it this time. Publix chicken finger sub. Wow, that's I think that's is that a five? It's a four and a half. Okay. I will also be giving this episode a four and a half, and I really wanted to give it a five. Uh once again, because this is my favorite I will say this is my favorite battle scene. Um I you know, the Battle of the Bastards I think might be a more complete episode though. Um because I think the whole episode was just that one location, if I'm... Am I wrong? You're wrong. It's about the second half of it was the battle. Okay, so you know what I didn't like was... Uh, it's better, definitely better than Hard Home, because I feel like half of Hard Home was only... Or like the last 10 minutes of Hard Home was the battle, or 15 minutes. So no, I think you're wrong about that again. Oh, fuck you. It was the, Well, you know what? I'm sorry. The setting in Hard Home was about the second half of the episode. The battle was probably... Probably fifteen minutes or so. This I think this was the shortest of the giant battles, but uh, it might have been the more. Uh, you know, I think Battle of Bastards had more impact. I think so and too, think, just because of the yeah. characters involved. And I thought Hardhome uh, was to it hit harder for me, and I can't explain exactly why in words. Uh, and I, I, and I actually, you know what? Even Blackwater might have been longer. In fact, almost yeah. certainly was a longer battle scene, but I thought that that one was less intriguing than this one. Uh, I think uh, if I'm going to uh, speak for you, which I feel I can do now that I've been doing this podcast for over a year with you now, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. you've always said you're you've been looking forward to the end game, which is the White Walkers getting involved, and I think that's probably why you liked Hard Home a lot. Um, yeah, because it has to do with the the like end game of the story. Uh, but I still think that as much as I loved, 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 and this is my favorite battle scene, I think Battle of the Bastards is a better episode. So, yeah, four point five, pretty good shit. It was just enjoyable. Like, yeah. all right. So the fact that we're talking about it in the company of Battle of the Bastards, Blackwater, and um, Hard Home, I feel like puts it on that upper echelon of. Great Game of Thrones episodes. Oh, Can I say that? Top five, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think it's in the top five, definitely top ten. So, uh, you know, look at us being positive. You know, people, I will tell you that um, uh, Kingslayer6969 on Twitter said, I think these guys 
hate the podcast or hate the show. So, you know, we don't hate the show, and this shows it right here. <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to start including feedback from our listeners on Twitter. Oh, okay. No, that's yeah. a good idea. Stoneheart123 says, uh, I really like uh, Doug, but that Brian guy, mm, not so much. <laughs> anyway guys we're gonna get the fuck out of here uh thank you you guys are blowing up uh the itunes ratings uh we have like uh i think it's over 1000 uh reviews and most of them are five stars so keep that up thanks a lot guys also because of the patreon campaign i can now uh stop going to work and do this uh podcast full time so thank you very much you fucking yeah don't forget your me undies (laughs) made out of modal (laughs) <laughs> and get those Casper mattresses, you pieces of shit. Any guys, anyway, guys, thank you for joining us. We love you, and I guess we'll see you next Tuesday for Season uh, 7, Episode 5. Take care. Ryan? Oh, see you guys later. Ooh. And gals. There's no gals. <laughs>